Struggling to stay up to date with social media? Do you want to get ahead online? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, the podcast for public sector professionals who want to elevate their digital communications. Here's your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. 2023 has been a groundbreaking year in terms of marketing transformation. Technology continues to drive change, disrupt consumer behavior and challenge marketers. We are now navigating a new trajectory that is led by artificial intelligence. In today's show, I take a closer look at the seven most dominant marketing trends that public sector marketing pros need to lean into into 2023 and 2024. I speak to Amanda Webb, founder of Spider Working and digital marketing expert, and together we go deeper into these marketing trends. It's time to pause before you prioritize. So stay tuned and hopefully you can tell me which of the seven marketing trends you're going to prioritize this year. Today's column, I'm talking about how to pivot in times of great change. Nobody likes change. It's the human in us. We get fearful, we retreat, and we think that in terms of work, it will put more work on our desk. But it's completely normal. So let me bring you through some of the tactics and the tools that I use when I'm going through digital marketing transformation. The very first one is mindset. Culture and mindset are inextricably linked. And when it comes to public sector marketing, there can always be a battle and a tension between how transparent are we going to be versus how much do we protect ourselves and our message. From my point of view, as you already know, you really need to be open, transparent and accountable right now. Otherwise, the citizens are going to call you out anyway. So really go into this transformation phase with a mindset of we will and we can do. The second tip is about adaptability. We have to adapt and we have to let go of the marketing trends and practices that no longer serve us. If you're still counting on Facebook and X, formerly known as Twitter, to reach the public and to be the two dominant platforms for all of your social media, then you need to rethink this. So being willing and able to adapt. That brings me on to the third tip of adopt. You know I say it, everything that I teach is academic until you put it into practice. So you have to adopt these new channels, this new technology, and you have to test and learn. By testing and learning, you then become agile, and every comms team in 2023 needs to have agility at the center of their ethos in digital marketing because the landscape is moving so fast. Implementation is key. You can test, you can learn, but at some stage, guys, you're going to have to pilot this stuff. You're going to have to implement the AI, the technology, leaning into TikTok, for example, and then you will have to look at the data and the insights that will inform your next steps. And finally, it's all about being consistent. You know my line, content might be king, but consistency is queen. Public sector pros, do you want to progress in your career? Are you going for promotion? Do you want to stay ahead of the digital media landscape? We can help you. View our training calendar at publicsectormarketingpros.com. So what's trending in marketing right now? Well, since I've had my eight-month content marketing hike, 
the marketing world has completely changed. So I thought I would share with you the top seven marketing trends that I believe you need to lean into right now. And of course, we are starting with chat GPT. It has gone mainstream. And in the next episode, I do a deep dive on chat GPT. Many marketers are now testing ChatGPT and some are subscribing for the paid version of ChatGPT4. The whole rationale for leaning into that is that it will save you time, it will make you more productive, and it will improve your processes. There's a lots of things to think about in terms of ethics, but as I say in the next episode, I'm going to talk about that at length. Secondly, and much to my great frustration, Twitter turns to X. I mean, talk about having something brilliant and unique with a brand of Twitter, with the fact that we tweet, it's an actual verb, and they actually delete it. So now we post and we, we repost, so everything that we're doing on every other social network. I'm really upset that Elon Musk has decided to go all out on the X brand. I mean, I'm even trying to say X and not say Twitter, but my friends, it is here. So along with the rebrand, there are many other changes. And one of the big frustrations that public sector pros have been communicating to me is the change in the verification and how difficult it has been for you to get verified as a public sector or government organization and your senior leaders within it. Also, the other frustration is Twitter Blue and paying for their subscription and losing access by default to the advertising platform. I'm going to dedicate a whole show to X, so I'll come back to it. So the third trend is that GA4 is here. It came into being on the 1st of July. That's Google Analytics 4. It is the up-to-date dashboard for our website analytics. If you didn't shift over from Universal Analytics, then Google already went and moved it over for you. So I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into GA4 with Amanda, who is a GA4 expert. Trend number five is that Instagram wants to capitalize on Twitter's rebrand, and they have introduced threads. Now, for those of you who are watching and listening in Europe, you will know that we don't have access to threads yet. Some sort of issue around GDPR and data protection. It's been received with great popularity and enthusiasm. I think they gained about one to two million users in the first couple of weeks of threads being launched. Unfortunately, I can't tell you much more about it because I don't have access. But when I do, I'll dedicate a show. Trend number five is that one of TikTok being continually being banned in government and public sector. I've reached out to TikTok. I keep asking them to come on the show and to tell us how they can change things so that governments across the world, including in Ireland, where I am based, actually allow their staff to have the app on their phone. But right now in Ireland and in many other jurisdictions across the world, TikTok is banned on government devices. At the same time, it's absolutely ironic that TikTok's growth is phenomenal and breaking all records. And I predict in 12 months, TikTok will have more users in Ireland than Instagram. 
Uh, trend number six, and again, I'm going to dedicate a whole podcast episode to it, is that digital news consumption is increasing, but increasing in different ways that you should care about it. Another trend is that news avoidance is becoming more of a problem, not just for mainstream media, but also for public sector who rely so heavily on that PR media relationship. All of those stats come from the Digital News Report of 2023, and that is a podcast episode that is coming up. And finally, keeping with the AI theme, Adobe Express has launched to the public. So the team at Public Sector Marketing Institute have been piloting the beta for many months. We also got access to the generative AI tool, Adobe Firefly, and we've been having lots of fun with that. But as of last week, Adobe Firefly is now open to everyone, so I suggest you go and test it out. Now that I've shared with you the seven marketing trends of 2023 for public sector marketing pros, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into each of them with my good friend, Amanda Webb from Spider Working. She's a digital marketing expert and guru, and she loves getting into the detail. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Hello, thanks so much for having me. It's fabulous to be here. Well, listen, me and you go way back through our digital marketing careers and we collaborate on a lot of projects. But this is my second podcast after an eight-month hiatus. And like you, I keep my tribe up to date with what's happening in the world of marketing, digital marketing, social media. Do you feel like me that over the past eight months, we're going through transformation again? Massively. I think that's the thing I love about being in this industry, though. It's like it keeps you on your toes. There's always something new to be investigating. So it, it keeps me from getting uh, bored with my job, I have to say. So there are advantages. But yes, eight months, there's a lot of things that have happened in digital marketing in that time, right? So I've been kind of priming the audience in this episode about what I believe are the top seven marketing trends and disruptions that have been happening. I wanted a, an expert to come and join me to talk me through them. Let's start with ChatGPT. So I did a poll on LinkedIn last week and I asked people if they were using it on a day-to-day -day basis or if they were testing and learning on a weekly basis if they weren't using it at all. And then the fourth option was definitely not using it because I don't trust it. Over 70% responded with the first two answers, either yes, using it regularly or testing at the moment. I was kind of surprised by that, but that says to me, ChatGPT has gone mainstream. It definitely has, because not just in the marketing circles, but people are talking about it everywhere. You know, I was at a family dinner and like somebody needed to write a speech and needed to do something else at the same time. And somebody just started in chat GPT and wrote the speech at the family dinner. And it was nothing to do with business. It was like, you know, a non-work thing that they were doing it for. Everywhere I go, people are talking about chat GPT, you know, in every industry and people that just aren't into digital marketing. So it's 100% mainstream and not just for marketers. And I think that's when you know a trend has really taken off when it's not just you and me and our small group of uh, <laughs> marketing friends are talking about it. So definitely, if you're not exploring it yet, you can, you should explore it because it's great fun. Um, I'm still just using the, the basic version. I haven't upgraded. 
I don't know about you, but I hear the upgrade is even more powerful. Yeah, it is. And they've kind of bolted in billions of more data. So it's authority, might I add, or it's trustworthiness has gone up slightly. But again, I'd still be reluctant to, to give over my day-to-day -day work on it. But what are you using it for? I'm curious. I think you're right to not trust it because it just makes stuff up. <laughs> like it does make stuff up. So you do need to go and check. But for me, the research is one thing. So if I'm researching a topic, I'll get it to kind of start off or even suggest sources that I should go to to find research or even ask it to come up with something. Then I'll go and fact check it. And in part of the fact checking, you find that out. So that's really good for structuring things. So those boring tasks that we have to do all the time, like, oh, I have to write a blog post about this. And then you go, well, what should the structure be? Kind of takes away that little pain point. Or if you're designing a course, you know, think it helps you think out the structure. So it's doing some of the legwork for you. But the best use of it is just to banish procrastination because when you have to sit down and write anything, that's it. You know, you've got to go and empty the dishwasher, mow the lawn, like do the ironing, do all the things that you hate doing to avoid writing. Whereas you can go to ChatGPT and just get it to start for you. It gets rid of the blank page and then you're on a roll. So those are, those are three times I use it. Also, when I'm writing like ad copy for myself, because so you get really bored of writing your own ad copy and saying the same thing. Do you find it is a little bit um, flowery and over the top with the stuff that it comes up with? But again, it's a good starting point. Then you can go and edit and and uh, find something that's going to be better than what you can write and better than what ChatGPT can write because you can just combine the two. So, yeah, I'm using it almost every day, I have to say. Well, I'm going to quote you now time and time again because I think that is brilliant. It banishes procrastination. That's a little bit of genius in the first five minutes. Okay, the second trend I'm very upset about, but it's here and we have to deal with it. And Twitter turns to X. That's just, I'm, I'm almost speechless. <laughs> well, ever since Elon Musk took over, there's, you know, I keep trying to tell myself it's going to be okay, but I did like downgrade my activity on Twitter as soon as he took over. Because he really is just acting like a frat boy. That's it's just, you know, every day there's something new, and then just there was going to be X Corp, and you were kind of like, oh well, that's all right if it's like Meta, you know, Meta has Facebook and Instagram, that'll that'll be okay, but it's not okay, is it? Because now it's X, and it's very hard to call it X, and there's it's not that I'm refusing to call it that because as somebody who shares the news, obviously I have to be using the correct terminology, but it just doesn't fit. And it's just one sign that it's not the same thing anymore. I think slowly it's going to move away from what it was. I mean, we've had things like longer tweets, which actually is a function I use, so I'm not going to complain, but I wasn't a fan of it. It's not exactly what Twitter used to be. Um, there's lots of features going away. He's talking about getting rid of the block feature. It's just going to be some sort of new network and maybe not a network that I want to fit in with. So there's opportunities out there for other businesses. You know, we've got lots of Twitter competitors. Um, Blue Sky, I know we're going to talk about another one in a while. Um, they're the ones that the, that's, for me, Blue Sky probably has the best chance because it's backed by Jack Dorsey, who obviously was one of the guys who started Twitter. So it may have a lot of the same ethos. 
Um, so really, yeah, I think we're just all looking for somewhere else to be, right? That does the same as Twitter used to do before it all got a bit mad. At least the cage fight's off, apparently. All right, they're not. They're not going to beat each other. Apparently, off, no, man. no. Apparently not. I think he's a bit scared of uh, Mark Zuckerberg's jujitsu. But I mean, the pair of them really are these the people we want to be in charge of our social networks? I do not know. And you know, to take a brand like Twitter and even the language around Twitter, so we tweet. You know, we're tweetable. Like all of that was so unique, and he got rid of it overnight, and now we're back to posting on X and just being like every other social network. I just thought it was such a backward step. And like you, I'm kind of bragging myself to to engage with it, but my activity has certainly gone down. And I know from public sector point of view, you know, unless they're subscribing, they can't do their advertising. And also their verification has gone. You know, government organizations who had organic verification, that's now gone. So there's a whole host of things that people are upset about, but let's move on because I'm, I want to go on. Something yeah, I more. could, I could, I could rant for a long time. I'm just like, I'm holding back here. I'm just not a fan. So the next one is one of your favorite topics. You are a true pro in this. And that is GA4 that came into being on the 1st of July. And if you didn't do any work, they just moved you over. So talk to us about GA4. Yeah, I know this is going to have been bad news for a lot of people because let's face it, nobody likes change, right? So this system comes along and suddenly everything has changed in your analytics. Whenever they've updated Google Analytics before, it's more been, you know, like when Facebook changes your page layout, it's been pretty much that. They've been bolting new things on or changing the layout a little bit, but it's been the same system. So we didn't like that. We didn't like when that changed, but we got used to it pretty fast. The problem with GA4, it's completely new. Everything's new. The language is completely different. They've added things in like default channel grouping. And I remember, I, so I started using it in anticipation over a year ago, maybe maybe a year and a half ago, because I knew this was going to happen. And actually, now I've got used to it, I actually much prefer it to the old analytics. It's laid out a lot better. It makes more sense. It's privacy centric. So it does protect user privacy. And there were going to be massive issues with GDPR and universal analytics. And this seems to, at the moment, it seems to address those issues. I never want to be 100%, but it seems to address that all your data is anonymized. So you can't find out about people. It's like you can go to see IP addresses and everything. None of that anymore. It's also changed the structure of reporting to really reflect how we do stuff now. When Google Analytics was invented, it used to be Urchin Analytics. It was a product that Google bought. It was all about page views. We used to talk about hits on a website. Remember when people used to go, I've got, they'd have a hit counter at the top. You know, that's when it started. And everything was based on a page view. So which pages have you looked at? How long? If you only looked at one page and left, it was a bounce. Whereas... Websites and apps have changed so much now. Like we have lots of single page websites. If somebody spent 10 minutes browsing your website, looked at everything, played a video on your website and then left, the old analytics would have said they were an irrelevant user. They were a bounce. Whereas now it's not judged by the number of pages you look at, but it's judged by events, which tracks every every different thing that people do on a website. So visiting a website would be one event. Um, scrolling would be another event. 
Um, spending more than 10 seconds on a page would be another event. Clicking a play button on a video or a podcast is another event. So all of a sudden, that one person that went to your website and looked at one page is really relevant and useful. So it does make sense, but it's going to be painful for a lot of people that they have to learn their way around it. I think it's almost better now if you've waited because you've got no choice. And for me, that was the big moment. I just went, I have to stop looking at universal analytics. The only way I'm going to learn the new system is if I don't look. You don't have a choice now. That's it. But um, believe me, it does get easier after a little while. Uh, one question people are, are asking is, you know, was there a, a drop in their numbers during the transition period? And, and will that come back? So the there is a drop for several reasons. So firstly, again, privacy centric. So, you know, there's lots of people who have cookie blockers and ad blockers. It can't do anything about that. You're not going to be able to see that data at all because that's the choice of your consumer that they put that in there. Secondly, it's changed because it's not measuring like for like. Like I say, before it was measured page views. Now it's measuring sessions and events so they mean different things and they're measured in a different way so you will have seen a drop off for those two reasons our friendly ais will come in and help like I, although i you know I, I get a decent amount of traffic for a small business to my website but i don't get enough for the ai to have done anything magical yet but the idea is that the ai will be able to fill those gaps and model based on the behavior of the people who come to your website what the actual data is so in some ways yes it's going to come back but just do remember it's a different system i would suggest stop looking at your traffic start looking at your conversions and your conversion rate and your engagement rate more so because that's actually more important than your overall traffic to your site so that's that's the easiest place to start i guess yeah i definitely agree that the new metrics are much more meaningful and i think from a government and public sector point of view where 90% of them aren't selling a product but they really want that engagement piece and time spent um, so having that granular data now will definitely be be better for them. Okay, so we spoke about Twitter moving to X and, you know, Zuckerberg uh, and the Instagram CEO, is it Mazzelli, never miss an opportunity. And they jumped on the back and they launched Instagram threads. Now, we don't have it because we're in the Republic of Ireland and there's GDPR concerns around Instagram threads, but have you been speaking to people? Have you crossed any borders and, and managed to test it out yet? I think the day it was launched, I was lucky enough to be in the UK. I couldn't get it, but I was visiting a client who turned to me and said, should I try threads? Tell me I shouldn't try threads. And I was going, no, I want to see what it looks like. Show it to me. So I did get to see it hands-on first away. I, I, I suppose the thing I want to talk about with threads more is they got loads of users when it launched because it's connected to your Instagram. It is very like Twitter. It's getting more and more like Twitter over time. But then it dropped off significantly. So everyone's suddenly going, oh, this is a failure. Look, it's hemorrhaging users. Nobody, it's no active users. I don't think we can judge yet because the anomaly was them getting so many people in straight away from Instagram. But now it's gone down and it's going to probably start picking up again and ticking over at a, a regular rate. So definitely it's not over for them. That's the first thing. I'm seeing so many people saying that. I'm not as excited to get it now as I was when it first came out. Um, 
I think one of the reasons we don't get it in the EU is the EU's had some disputes with Meta about the monopoly of social networks. That's a really important concern, I think. So the fact that we don't have it is, you know, we will have it. They're just kind of ironing out those issues that they have. But it is just like Twitter. It is just like Twitter. And it is going to be probably the place you know, Blue Sky is a good competitor, but it's probably going to be the place that people go because it doesn't require another login. It comes in through your Instagram. You've already got your connection sorted so you can find the people there. And when it first launched, apparently it was really nice and nobody was being negative. <laughs> so that's definitely one up on Twitter. We know that won't last because that's the nature of social networks. But I don't think I think one of the reasons Twitter has become such toxic space is because people think that's what it is. So they just add to it. And I think if we can think that Threads isn't, there is a chance it could be a nice, lovely space like Twitter was back in the day. Yeah, my next topic is around TikTok. And TikTok actually introduced text-based posts too. But um, on a sideline note, and I'm trying to get TikTok to come on my podcast, but TikTok is banned on government devices in Ireland after an advisory from the National Cybersecurity Centre in Ireland. And I'm hoping also to get to talk to them at some stage. But there's a there's a real dilemma here because the user base in Ireland, again, in other jurisdictions and other countries have also banned TikTok and government devices, is that its usage, time spent, and the agility of the app to introduce new features and keep that attention it's just growing at a phenomenal rate. And I don't think that it is a trend um, or a one-hit wonder. We thought that during the pandemic, but it, it has lasted the test of time. And so the dilemma is our audience is on TikTok. We can't use it on government devices. What do we do? I've seen some government agencies running ad campaigns and they don't even have TikTok accounts, right? And so they, they see the value. What is your impression? It's a really tricky one. It's a really interesting story to follow because, yeah, it there was kind of like a domino effect, like one country banned it on their government devices and it's kind of gone down the road. And, you know, obviously I'm not in a place to advise from security point of view, but you're right, people use it a lot. You know, it's not just kids anymore. I suppose if you're a government agency, the only way that you could use it is to work with influencers, but then you're still not able to monitor what's happening. So that influencer puts it up, you can't see. Um, it, it's a tricky one. I And the other thing is, you know, it is a type of content on TikTok at the moment that's working really well. I mean, TikTok do want to be like WeChat in China. They want to be like that. They want to be the one social network that owns it all, much like Facebook wants to, or Meta wants to be the same thing. But at the moment, the, the, the addictiveness comes through the short form videos and we can have short videos on other platforms. We, we know on um, Instagram, on YouTube, but they're all supporting those as well, even on Facebook now. So it is kind of looking at that creation process and seeing, can you use that somewhere else instead of TikTok? And also maybe taking some of the lessons from TikTok. One of the things that I personally love about TikTok and I know other people love is it's away from that Instagram perfect aesthetic. So if you can take some of that rawness that you see in TikTok and bring it to the other social networks that you're using, there's still potential there for your short form videos. 
goodness knows what's going to happen with TikTok. I mean, they're working really hard to comply with everyone. And I was reading stuff about, you know, what the American government wanted them to do, what the UK government wanted them to do, which just seemed a little bit extreme to me. But like, again, I don't know about the security. So I don't want to like say that it's a good thing or a bad thing. But definitely short form content is here. Short form video content is here. And it is still powerful, whether it's on TikTok or if it's one of those other channels. Yeah, and you talk about content and short form video content, and that's a nice segue into trend number six and the consumption of digital news and people looking to social as being the place where they access news and media. So that's on the increase. And I have a, an interview uh, with an expert uh, coming up uh, in two weeks on this topic. But where do you consume your news, Amanda? It's in dental or social or do you have news apps or do you buy a newspaper every day? Do you listen to radio, or watch TV? So Twitter, which obviously I'm trying to go, where am I going to go? Instagram, I follow on my personal account. I follow quite a few uh, like the BBC, a lot of the, the bigger, larger organizations who do really good stuff with their video. Definitely worth looking at because their videos will catch my attention and then I'll go on and read the story um, in more detail. Not much from Facebook, to be honest. I see, seem to see it elsewhere. I also Google News. I had that on my phone, so it pops up every now and then. It's quite clever at knowing what stories I'm going to like. It throws in all the digital marketing ones. And TV news. You know, I'm old. I watch the TV, not YouTube, right? So <laughs> I have the RTE on at six. <laughs> six one news for me. Um, so the rest of the stuff is, it's incidental. It's popping up in my feed. I'm not going looking for it. I'm kind of just there and seeing something that catches my eye. Yeah, and you mentioned BBC. They hired nine TikTok journalists in 2022, and they grew their TikTok account by one million. They're the best case study. Um, and, of course, we see their, their content then on Instagram Reels. So final trend, and this is around the introduction of AI into content creation tools. Um, and I know you love content creation and you're very creative as a digital marketer. So we've been testing Adobe Express um, and of course they have introduced Adobe Firefly and AI is now coming more to the forefront of those type of content creation tools. Have you tried it or are there other tools that use generative AI that you're using? Yeah, almost everything I'm using seems to have some sort of AI plugin at the moment. So I use Agora Pulse for my scheduling. That will, I mean, but it's not very good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I love Agora Pulse and obviously they have to test these things and it's going to get better over time. But I write better captions than it does, which is sometimes reassuring. That is reassuring. So um, it's built into that. It's built into Canva. I've never created anything that's any good in, with using Canva AI. I use Descript for editing my podcasts and some of my videos. And that's introduced a lot of new AI features, which are really useful. It's, it's just very smart in the first place. It always had AI. It's just kind of introducing new stuff that I'm just discovering, which is cool. Um, they've got an AI that will correct the transcript that it came up with which I just think is really bizarre <laughs> there you go. Um, and yeah chat GPT is built into your search engines as well so well you're not chat GPT is built, built into Bing and of course um, Google's coming out with with Bard 
So that's all going to be part of the process as well, kind of finding your your topics to write about. So it is in everything. I was thinking Microsoft Clarity, which is like a heat, heat map tool that has AI built in that will tell you, rather than just showing you the video and showing you how people are using your website, it will draw conclusions that maybe you didn't from it, which is really interesting. And this is really good because before that, kind of getting apart from ChatGPT that had a low barrier to entry, a lot of the tools like Midjourney, you know, you had to go and join like a Discord server and get the code, even if you wanted to do a trial. It was, and then when you got there, it was just all very hardcore. So I'm really glad to see that Adobe's integrating into its tools that aren't like Photoshop, you know, that are a lot more accessible. So I think we're going to see more and more of that in the tools we use every day. And I have to say, I'd be a fan of that. I mean, I do believe our robot overlords will one day kill us all. But at the moment, I'm kind of a fan of what they're doing. Well, you know what I think? I actually think that we've all collectively gained marketing assistance, either in our businesses or in our workplace. Because I know the comms pros that I work with, they don't have big budgets. They've got very small teams. And this AI revolution is going to be your friend. So if you're not testing or learning, you absolutely do. Um, Amanda, tell us what you're focusing on in terms of digital marketing and what your clients are asking uh, from you right now. I'm all about the analytics at the moment because I've been focused on Google Analytics for so long now, and particularly Google Analytics 4, and really looking at not just, you know, oh, here's your stats, but actually what it can tell you about your marketing strategy know what it can tell you you know is this working so I was working with a client yesterday who was getting great traffic and conversions this was a job site from Instagram but nothing from Facebook so then we have to go on an investigation look at what they're doing on Facebook why is it that you're not getting traffic why aren't people converting and it's a really interesting thing just starting with the analytics and then working back into their digital marketing strategy where I think a lot of the time people do the strategy and then go and look at the metrics at the end and go, oh, that's nice, <laughs> without kind of knowing what it's telling them. So that's that's what I'm loving doing at the moment. And I think because marketing budgets are tighter now, because people are uh, having to pay more for their ads, they really want to be able to justify the time and the energy they're spending. So that's what I'm loving doing right now. Okay, let's, let's signpost viewers and listeners to your website where do you want to send them to yeah if you go to spiderworking.com that is my website i'm spider working on every social channel i'm on as well so if you search for me there you'll find me as always amanda great to talk to you and thank you so much for joining me thank you Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 78 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. And if you are feeling overwhelmed with digital marketing and social media, don't forget that you can get yourself a copy of my book, Public Sector Marketing Pro, available in print, Kindle, and also in audiobook and on Audible. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you on the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a Public Sector Pro you know. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. For more free resources, details of our upcoming training courses, and consulting options, log on to publicsectormarketingpros.com.